I remember it so clearly like I did my first line of cocaine off a toilet seat in the bar um, and I was so fucking terrified because I was like, oh my God, what if someone walks in and like we're going to get caught? Look inside, look inside your tiny mind and look a bit harder because we're so uninspired, so sick and tired of all the hatred you harbor. Welcome back to All Things Taboo with Karen Taylor. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who listened to the first episode. Uh, it was such an amazing response and somewhat overwhelming, <laughs> um, but really awesome to hear that everyone enjoyed hearing about my life and my upbringing, which was a little bit crazy. And I was really grateful for the feedback because it just affirms that I'm on the right track with doing this podcast and wanting to open up conversations um, around, you know, our struggles and the things that we don't often talk about. Um, A lot of the feedback that I got was that I was very brave for sharing my story. And so I hadn't really contemplated that it was being brave. I just knew that I wanted to open up a a place and a platform um, where we could talk about these things openly and realizing that you know not everyone is at that point where they can share about themselves or share about experiences that they've gone through so I hope that it has inspired anyone out there who has a story to share that it's inspired you to share your story as well or to at least open up that conversation with somebody or get some support thank you so much to everyone Um, honestly it was uh, quite an overwhelming response and I kind of went into my little tortoise shell (laughs) um post sharing it and um I was just really thankful um that it that it did reach as many people as it did so thank you so much today's episode episode two um I'm still talking about myself (laughs) here just on my own um and I wanted to share about my time in London um I moved after what happened in um, Oxford, I moved to uh, Watford to live with my dad. Um, I had people uh, ask about how my dad was in the UK as well. And so I'm 32 years old now and there's a lot of information that I'm, I'm not going to be able to include um, every time that I'm speaking. Um, but my dad ended up moving over to the UK um, after um, my mum and my siblings and myself moved. And yeah, he lived in um, in Watford. So I moved in with my dad and um, he was really great for me um, at that time. I hadn't lived with my dad, obviously, since I was six years old, but I had spent every second weekend with him growing up and so it was the first time I'd actually lived with him full time and my dad and I had a really great relationship and he supported me a lot through that time of just getting myself back on my feet and he made sure that I got a job within the first month of living with him that was a condition of moving in um, made sure that I was paying rent that I was learning how to pay bills and not just um, living you know free Um, with him but I got a job within the first month started making friends and building a life for myself in Watford and I um, I, a lot of the things that happened I'm not going to focus so much on how I got to where I was but more so that I wanted to focus on 
um, where I ended up. So once I um, had been working for some time and was earning a good income, uh, I moved out of my dad's. I moved into a share house and um, I had a lot of my own independence at that time. And so it was really on me um, to look after myself. But um, I was very much more a people pleasing person where I spent a lot of my time trying to impress others or get people to like me as opposed to doing what was best for me. So um, I'd waste money and go out drinking and I wouldn't really save anything. Um, and then I'd just figure it out as I went, you know, how I was going to pay my bills and you know, I'd go out on a night out and really had like not a lot of money to to be going out, but I would go out anyway and, and seek the thrill of that. And so I ended up um, in some really bad habits with um, my finances because <clears throat> I cared more about impressing people than I did about, um, you know, being secure and financially secure. So once I moved out of my dad's and I had a bit more of my own um, reign on things, I kind of just went a bit gung-ho to be honest (laughs) um and yeah it was fine for some time but it was not I just wasn't in a good position like I'd always have to borrow money from friends to pay this you know it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul and you know I, I just got myself in some really bad habits and so then I ended up getting a second job working in a bar and I worked in the bars um, for quite some time, which I actually really enjoyed. Um, But, you know, as they say, the more you earn, the more you spend. And so it just kind of like ended up in a vicious cycle was now working two jobs and then I was still broke um, and getting myself into lots of debt. And then one of the jobs that I started working at, I made friends with uh, the girls that I was working with there and we went out one night to party and I remember it so clearly like I did my first line of cocaine off the toilet seat in the bar um, and I was so fucking terrified because I was like oh my god what if someone walks in and like we're gonna get caught and I was still very like naive in that sense of you know what the drug world looked like and so yeah I did my first line of coke and I had the best night (laughs) life it was just I still remember like making friends like I would you'd, you know I just loved everyone and everyone was just in this you know zone and we were just having the best time and then everyone came back to my place and we all just partied until the god knows what hour in the morning and it was so great and I just had such a good time and I remember just yeah like not not thinking that I would ever even do drugs again but um just that I had this you know wild night and it was so fun and and then you know the next weekend happened again and then the next weekend it happened again and before I knew it I was doing drugs every weekend and and in my mind I was like it's just recreational you know it's just this is this is just what you do and um and I ended up very heavily addicted to drugs and before I knew it I was um, doing it nearly every, nearly every second night, um, and still working two jobs and still having a lot of debt, um, to pay. I was digging myself into a deeper and deeper hole, but now I was chasing the high of being on cocaine as well and what that brought with it. And it was almost like a rush in some sense to not know how I was going to even like pay for it. But it was like, you know, just whatever I needed to do at the time I would do to get it. And I was in debt to dealers now. The most sort of shameful part that came with it was when I was so addicted to it that um, I would actually go out and have a few drinks with my friends and then I would leave saying, oh, I'm just going to go home. I just want to, I'm just going to have an early night. And I would then get um, a bag and do it on my own. 
So it almost became a point where I was like, fucking, what's his name from Lord of the Rings? It was like uh, Gollum. What's his, is that his name? Gollum. Gollum. Is that him? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I was like him. I was like, my precious, like these are, this is my, my drugs. And like, I don't have to now share it with anybody. And the debt that I'm getting myself into is just my debt. And I'm not getting myself into debt, you know, shouting other people. Um, and God, like it was just an absolutely vicious cycle of um, drugs, debt, depression, bad guys. I just was in such a bad way and I didn't really know what to do. And I'd got myself back to a point where I was so depressed that I, um, I really thought that I was going to end up back in the same position that I was when I'd left Oxford and I didn't want to be in that position. So I had gone to, to my doctor and I said, I need to be put onto antidepressants or something, something I need some help and support. And so he was um, writing me out a prescription for antidepressants. And as he was about to print it, he looked at me and he said, is there anything else that I need to know? And I just looked at him and I was like, oh my God, he knows. So I like burst into tears and I was like, I am addicted to cocaine. And he was like, I can't give you this prescription. I can't give you antidepressants if you're doing cocaine as well. Um, and the amount that I was doing at that time was huge. And he said, I can't put you on these drugs because it's just going to have the adverse effect and you're probably going to end up more depressed. So I was like, oh my God, okay. So it was kind of like the first like reality check with um, the fact that I couldn't actually even get any support now. And if I was going to keep doing the drugs, I was just going to end up even further into this dark hole. So I remember that being like a real wake up call for me where I was like, okay, this is now on me and I've got to try and pull myself out of it and stop doing this to myself. The, the problem was that I had met a guy who was actually a drug dealer and there was just so much available at that time. And as much as I was trying to get out of it, I found myself even further into it because I, the more I tried to get away, the more it seemed to just be in my face. And um, because again, I was a people pleaser and I didn't know how to say no, uh, I would just find myself at parties where it was just everywhere. So I was in this really vicious cycle. Um, I was in a really kind of vicious cycle as well with my, with my partner at that time too. Like we had a very toxic um, relationship. It was really unhealthy it was a very like push pull dynamic where um he would push in and I would come back and then he would pull away and so I would pull away and it was really unhealthy um and I did that for the better part of nearly three years with him and so I, I think for me as well I was trying to pull away a lot of the time because I was like this isn't helping me this isn't making things better I'm getting myself more into debt I'm getting myself into more trouble and I was really like, I was just a kind of, I just felt like an embarrassment. I was just really embarrassed about myself. And I kept a really great facade on um, for the world around me. But, you know, I don't think probably anyone realizes how much I was struggling internally. Um, I was constantly worried about um, being in the same position that my mum had been in with the debt collectors rocking up. And, um, you know, except my debt collectors were drug dealers. And I didn't quite understand myself enough to break these cycles and so my thing again was just I just ran like I was a runner and so I ran away from Oxford because I didn't want to deal with that and then in the end I ran away from the UK because I, I, I couldn't break myself away from my partner or from 
the the drug cycle and so I was like that you know what what else can I do I'm just going to take myself out of this situation completely and just try and start again so I guess that was my revelation in the sense that I needed to leave the UK and so I um, was able to thankfully like sell my car and um, pay off the dealers and it just it took me months um, to actually try and like pay back what I owed um, before I could actually leave the UK. And so that was a um, huge thing. I, I left everything that I knew and I'd lived there for six years. Um, so I had a, I had a, a life. I had a lot of friends. Um, and I actually, the job that I had was a really good job and I was doing really well at it. Um, but it was, there was so much going on. I didn't know how to kind of escape it. So that was kind of what brought me to Australia um, was that realization that I'm not going to get out of this unless I actually remove myself from it. So um, I had in one of my bar jobs, I had met my one of my really close friends. We've been friends now for, uh, I think, about a better part of 12 years. And she's one of my closest friends. And thankfully, I still get to be with her um, and see her and talk to her um, here in Geelong. Um, and she was working in the bar, one of the bars that I worked in, in the UK. And we became really good friends, like inseparable friends. Um, she lived across the road from my work. Um, we obviously worked together in the bar and we just spent so much time together. And she was just a really no judgment friend. And she's always been a really no judgment friend for me. And um, she was my safe person. She was my safe place. I didn't ever feel like I couldn't tell her anything. And, um, yeah, God, I just got really emotional then. She's just one of my best friends. And when I rang her to tell her the shit that I got myself into, she said to me, why don't you come over here? Like, why don't you come to Australia and spend some time over here and, just get yourself sorted out, you know, spend six months over here and you can live with me. And I, yeah, I was like, well, that's like huge. Um, I don't, you know, in my head, I was like, I don't know that I can do such a big thing. Um, but in the end, I was like, I don't really know what other choice I have. I'm just really like getting myself, I was getting myself into worse and worse situations. And I just decided that maybe this is going to be a good thing for me. So I, um, yeah, pretty much sold up everything that I had as I say and I um booked a ticket to come over and I moved over in I think it was the October of 2011 um I flew out to Geelong to start cleaning myself up and yeah that was yeah probably one of the biggest most scariest things I've ever done on my own but thankfully I had the support of my friend and I remember getting in her car at the airport and driving the drive from Melbourne to Geelong and just thinking, what the fuck have I done? Um, I was so homesick um, for such a long time and I've really missed my friends and my life um, over in the UK. And um, it took me such a long time to be able to settle into myself um, as a person and as a person who wasn't on drugs. Um, and I didn't know anyone obviously in Geelong that I could even get drugs from. So it was really great for me to be able to have that time to kind of reset and be able to start piecing the parts of my life back together again and find myself. 
And that's where I'm going to leave you guys once again um, for this episode. So I will cover the next nine years of life in Australia in my next podcast. Um, There's quite a bit to cover. So I thought I would leave that for a third episode. And then once that's all done and dusted, I can um, start with my guests on the show. And a lot of the stuff that I am almost tiptoeing around not covering at this point in time is because I've already planned to cover it with my guests. So if you've got a specific taboo topic that you would like to hear about, please hit me up at Miss Karen Taylor on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you and love to expand what we're talking about here on the show. So thank you so much for tuning in again and I'll catch you guys next time. Mm-hmm.